Hey, this is Christy Majors from Pretty Boy Floyd, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, what's up, people? Jason Newstead here. You're checking out Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Stephen Piercy. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. All right, Hello and welcome to episode 326 of the Iron City Rocks podcast, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 326, we're excited to bring you uh, once again a gentleman who was on the show several years ago uh, talking about a book he was releasing at the time. Now he's got a great new solo album on the way out. We are talking about Stephen Piercy, frontman of the band you may call Rat, I may call Rat, but the lawyers may not let us call Rat. But Stephen will be joining us. He's got an album, Smash, which is coming out in later in the month of January on the 27th. So he'll be stopping by to talk to us about that record and also plans he has going forward with uh, members of the original band Rat uh, for 2017. So we're excited to talk to him about that. Also joining us on the uh, line is Phil Rudd. Phil Rudd... Um, classic drummer of the band ACDC uh, has got a solo album out uh, is doing some touring on that unfortunately not in the US but it's a really cool record so we thought we'd have him come on the show and talk about that record uh, also joining us uh, all the way from Sweden Brian of the band Killer B we're going to introduce you to the band they're making a big push in the United States I've uh, been around for 20 odd years so not a new band but uh, certainly for many of us in the US a new band in the United States so we'll talk to them in a bit Without further ado, we're going to uh, get into some Stephen Piercy music uh, and into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show Stephen Piercy. How are you doing, Stephen? Real good. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> well, you're set to release uh, kind of a long-awaited uh, album now. You're going to be releasing Smash here later on this month. Um, we've seen your name in the news quite a bit uh, with your other band, but I wanted to specifically hone in on the uh, the album Smash. Can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the writing that went into that? I know you're you're always writing songs, it seems. Yeah, well, Smash, you know, initially, a couple of years back, started out as a whole other project I had in mind. Um, and then, you know, uh, we wrote and recorded any chance we got, you know, on and off the road. And then I was approached 
due to a couple songs. I had a song, I Can't Take It, Mixed and Mastered by Bo Hill, Rat Producer. Mm-hmm. And this label wanted to, uh, Frontiers, uh, work something out. I'm like, all right, just change tracks, totally change tracks and just started fresh and said, okay, now we're doing a record, guys. Uh, we'll keep that song and let's write a bunch of new songs. And it actually took a good, we've been writing about a year and a half, actually. I mean, this record just didn't happen and it wasn't your normal, you know, uh, uh, let's get in the studio and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be out of there in three months or one month. We literally took our time. Some songs went by the wayside that were great. And if a new idea came up, I'd just stop the press and say, nope, now we're working on this. And we wanted every song to be uh, it's, it's the best. And we wanted to give every song the uh, the same attention uh, and and still being on and off the road and uh, found a delivery date and went for it and accomplished it you know how how was it getting back in the studio with Bo after you know years well with that one song see we produced uh, myself and and Matt Thorne produced the record uh, smash Bo uh, in uh, Mix mastered this one song. He wasn't okay. available to do the record. Okay. And like I say, it wasn't the normal uh, recording process kind of a thing, you know. Um, it was, you know, how people approach music. There's so many ways to approach it now. You can throw singles out there, uh, EPs, uh, and I decided I, I want to put a full record out like I usually do. Mm hmm. And, you know, since we took the reins ourselves, you know, I mean, been doing this a long time. We know what we're doing. I still, I've learned a lot from Bo over the years and still talk quite frequently. And, uh, you know, actually he, he has another song of ours, Mix Master, just sitting there. Uh, so, you know, uh, we decided just to, uh, you know, since he was busy, just, take control and we did yeah how is it for you I mean a person who was you you were used to the excesses of the 80s and and the giant recording budgets Um, is this a lot more liberating for you to be able to just you know on a Pro Tools rig kind of do it yourself without all that interference from labels and things well 100% I started Top Fuel Records in 1995 for a reason to Mm. record my music the way I wanted when I wanted how have 100% creative control and to be able to sign bands and attain bands. But as far as recording process, uh, it's, you know, if I can find analog machine, I'll, I'll go record drums on analog. And, and I mean, I've tried different ways of recording, whatever suits the, uh, you know, whatever floats boat, so to speak. Um, but there are certain things that we do in the studio uh, with, uh, digital that a lot of people won't do or don't think they can do as far as trying to keep an analog approach and Smash will be coming out on an LP too which is even better okay. um, so we have our own way of recording and mixing and mastering that, to get the best out of it because there was nothing better than analog you know that sound yeah. 
per se, you know. Yeah, just not the cost of analog, unfortunately. But yeah, right. But um, I mean, it depends. You, you you look. Bands are lucky to to do what they can do. I mean, depending on the uh, caliber, validity of the bands, like Rats. You know, right now, now that we've got things in the perspective, uh, Warren and I have been writing. You know, I mean, I'm constantly writing, and you know, it'll have it'll be its own approach because it's different than mine. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, uh, I, I love the studio. I mean, I could, you know, I love every element about what I do, from executive producing bands, writing, uh, producing. Uh, the whole process, mm-hmm. you know, but with Smash, we literally wanted every song to have the attention. We wanted it to to not be this prolific, serious thing, you know, but we did want it to, to uh, be up on things and, and, and be different than what it's expected, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody expects that rat guy, you know. Exactly. And so I throw him a left curve every now and then because I have to and I need to. Otherwise, I would find this quite boring, you know. Exactly. Now, um, when you go out and do live shows, I know you've got a lot of dates lined up through the early part of the year. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you get it to blend a lot of the new material into the set? Do, do the fans accept that? Yeah, they do, actually. Um you know, all I know is is they expect you know, and we give it to them rap music. You know, I mean, I wrote it. Why not? Uh, uh, but this time around, we'll be throwing in. Could be an arcade song. Uh, it could be a solo song from Fueler, but it's pretty much going to be about about Smash. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to get into it. I mean, we do think about how the songs could be presented live when we're in the studio. We don't try to do something that can't be emu- you know, emulated outside of the box, you know. Exactly. Uh, you got to be able to do it. Now, um, you, you mentioned writing with Warren. I mean, do you guys have any kind of timetable? I know you've got some live stuff lined up. I mean, do you guys, what with the agreement to come back together as a unit, was new material in the topic, or is it just kind of a natural evolution of getting together? It's a natural evolution because, you know, all of us wrote. You know, I could be writing with Juan. I could write my own songs. And, you know, with Warren and I, we just were just like, a team to write mm-hmm. you know we get together I hear a riff and it's off we go into a studio and boom there's a song we've got a couple <laughs> um, it's a different process but uh, you know we just had to take care of some legal things that went down the last year that were uncalled for to the, mm-hmm. the real integrity of the group and now that they're pretty much getting resolved we can you know Take that last lap and and uh, you know show some integrity for what we've uh, created and why we're still here thirty four years later. You know? Certainly. Now, does the success of of Infestation, I think, an album that I, I think rock fans and critics alike kind of universally loved. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. did something that not a lot of bands of your era were able to do, which was kind of you know, recapture lightning in a bottle twice. 
Um, does that kind of give you, you guys a shot in the arm to you know going forward to write new material? Kind of inspire you? Well, we know we can. You know, I don't think that was one of our best records. I mean, you know, Carlos and I wrote the first two singles, uh, but there's plenty of other good songs on there. But a lot of songs didn't even make the record. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was just finding our legs again as we were doing that record. And mm-hmm. the same with the one before it. I don't think that was one of the best records we've ever done. But you know, it, it the old saying it is what it is, mm-hmm. and you work around the environment and the times and, and your situation. And but infestation, we gave it a good shot. Uh, you, you know, it, we weren't running on all cylinders, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, now we are, and what we do when the time comes, we definitely want to put something out there. Uh, but we also want to reestablish the brand as it should be, um, yeah. and and continue writing as we usually did. You know, yeah. I mean, Invasion was written on the road. You know, uh, dancing. Uh, I mean, all these records. You know, back in the day, we would deliver a record every year and do 250 t- arena dates you know it was crazy and that was part of the uh, beginning of the end is, uh, we had no rest for the wicked we were enjoying ourselves too much <laughs> yeah yeah you needed some way to, to just to keep that motor running I and mean, that's a tremendous patient you know, but, you... but the studio we love I mean when nowadays you know when you know it's like the last thing we wrote one and I maybe I don't know few weeks back a month ago and we just sat around I heard something and we went in the studio and there came this great song you know so it's that easy you know sometimes it just falls into place like Round and Round is written so fast you know it's amazing how some of the best are always kind of the ones that, that take the least amount of rewriting and things like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you and you know it right away. Or I do. We do nowadays, or I do with my music. You know, mm-hmm. look, all you can do is put the best stuff out there you can. If you want it out there, you don't have to. We never. There's a lot of songs we have yet to even release throughout our career, Rat, including myself. I have boxes and boxes of every format you can think of, from uh, cassette, micro cassette, analog, two inch, one inch. I mean. <laughs> It's just crazy, and and uh, so just writing is writing. I mean, I I just like to write personally. I yes. mean, I can pick up the guitar and write a song. And yeah, that's been. It a... could be the biggest thing since sliced bread, or it can be the just another song. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I must ask in that box uh, you mentioned of the, the archives there. Any video of kind of the you know, the Robin years that might ever see the light of day? Yes, you know, back in the day, Juan filmed a lot. We do have a lot of stuff. Um, at one time, around 91, we were actually going to put together a compilation of everybody's footage that they've had over the years. And it never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. But I still have a lot of these visuals. And, and, you know, one day we will put it out. But, you know, there's one thing that we wanted to do when we started out with Rat. If you wanted to see us, come see us live. We don't mm-hmm. need to put out a live record. Nowadays, there's bootlegs out there, and some sound shitty because, well, you're on the right side of the stage, and you're right. in front of the, you know. 
and then some sound okay and the visuals the same with the visuals you, you know um, so there's plenty of live records people don't when people mention that to me I go oh yeah go on YouTube there's tons <laughs> of live music of us out there in videos sure it's not ours but uh, you know if you see a good one let me know uh, yeah that's we the did trick. it for a reason you know we wanted the Zeppelin approach if you want to see us and you gotta feel it you gotta you gotta get the vibe you gotta feel it taste it smell it experience it you know yeah, well said uh, otherwise what's the point you know very very good point well Stephen I don't want to keep you I know you're a busy man with the album coming out so I want to thank you for joining us and we wish you guys the best hopefully we'll see you in the Pittsburgh area sometime soon you will I thank you very much alright again a big thank you to Stephen Piercy of the band Rat, maybe, but no, we'll let the attorneys figure that one out. Um, joining us now, uh, former drummer of the band ACDC, Phil Rudd, who has got a, a solo album that uh, came out a little bit ago called Head Job. Uh, he ran into some legal issues and, and the such, wasn't able to tour on it, uh, but is doing some touring in the UK on this record. Um, thought you'd uh, enjoy listening to it. Uh, always great to hear from anybody involved with ACDC. Um, Unfortunately, anymore, there are less and less people who are kind of from the original classic ACDC left in the band. Uh, so, and we, we do address that in the interview with Phil. Um, the audio was not the greatest. We were talking to him while he was in New Zealand. Uh, so it was not the crispest interview in the world, but uh, still wanted to share that with you as well. So let's play a little bit of uh, Phil Rudd's solo material, and then we're going to get into that interview. Phil Rudd. How you doing, Phil? Uh, good, thanks, man. You've got an album out now that's actually been out for a little while, Head Job, um, and you're just going to be starting to do some dates in the 2017 to promote that album. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the experience was like for you to put together a solo album after all these years, obviously, with ACDC? Uh, oh, it's just um, it was just a process that evolved you know, within itself. I mean, I was in and out of ACDC and you know, back and forth in the project, but um, it was all coming together pretty well, and you know, we're, we're pretty happy with it. So. As far as the musicians that you're working with, Alan, uh, Jeffrey, uh, specifically, how did you go about connecting with those guys? Were these people you've known for some time? Yeah, I've known for a long time. So. And then we just kind of bumped into each other about 30 years ago. So, you know, we've been working, you know, we've known each other for a long time. We've been playing together, mucking about for a long time. So, mm-hmm. uh, the album reflects how well we play together. Right? Did you, um, did you guys kind of write this collectively, or are these songs that you had been working on yourself individually? 
Uh, yeah, well, this is a combination of all three, really. Like, I sort of wrote some, um, you know, in the early morning by myself, and the guys had stuff from, from their history, and they kind of, you know, chopped a bit of stuff around and, you know, made it suit our purposes. So. It's all, you know, it's all travelled together pretty good. Sure. Um, as far as putting you know yourself out there as, as a solo artist, obviously, I mean, you've had quite a legacy, uh, it, both recording and touring with ACDC for you know, m- you know, a, a lot of your fans' entire lives. Um, what was, you know, the, the idea of putting yourself out there as you know the band leader? Was that intimidating to you at all? You know, to kind of, as a drummer, you know, you're kind of behind the kit. Um, Maybe not the focal point no. of ACDC, but, but you know, as a solo no, artist, you know. yeah, no. But I'm, I'm I'm pretty staunch, and uh, um, when I get to drive the bus, you know, I, I enjoy it. You know, so um, you know, I, I, um, I sort of, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can drive the whole project, and you know, all all manner of um, of whatever, you know, and um, but I really enjoy that. But, but it's just sort of. Came out of me, you know, came out of my background and, you know, that sort of, you know, the, the grind of, you know. Yeah. That I survived, you know, so. Is this more stressful to you in this situation or is this a little bit easier now that you do have the ability to kind of call all the shots or did you find that pressure well, a little more daunting? Yeah, I find the pressure of having to be careful what you say. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not really used to it. I'm, I'm, I'm known for only having my mouth to change feet. You know, so, and, and, so, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's not really a, really a solo career, it's just another band that I've put together, yeah. which hopefully will have a sort of, sort of a match, kind of a drive to sell for them, you know? And, and uh, you know, which we certainly think we have, but we, we aren't looking at them for yeah exactly um have you been following the saga that, that kind of unfolded with Brian Johnson much in in the news uh, not as late I was actually talking about him a couple of days ago Is an Axel Rose fronted ACDC something you would want to see or play with? Is that something that you? Well, uh, well yeah, to be honest, uh, um, no, I, I shouldn't really say anything about it, but um, I believe it was just due to a contract with a lot of cases and they say it's an accident. Okay. That's one of the things I, I wondered, you know, as you're stepping, you know, out of the machine that is, you know, a giant band. That I've talked to other musicians who have been in, you know, these types of bands of that caliber. That sometimes getting away from that, getting away from worrying about selling merchandise and, you know, employing armies of people to to travel with you, sometimes can be quite refreshing, you know, and just get back to making music. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's right. That's right. You know. Um, you know, we, we, we do it because we enjoy it, and um, we want to see the album. 
uh, give a, a just hearing and uh, hopefully sell a few and then yeah it'll be good we're looking at doing another album in the near future if we survive the tour which is only a baby tour compared to what the boys used to do but yeah we've got to start somewhere yeah. but I'm pretty fit yeah and um, I'm playing pretty well we've got, got got plenty of the old game back you know, so, so um, yeah I hope uh, how uh, may I ask um, I know you had some health issues earlier um, in the year how are you feeling now I mean do you feel I'm, better I feel, fan- I feel fantastic man. Yeah, since I, I, had a, I had a heart attack a few months ago and I put a, uh, I put a stent in and um, you know, the old blood's been pumping and you know, it's really given me a new lease of, lease of life you know? yeah yeah you get a little but, more but, blood pumping better now I really Plus, I got rehabilitated off all that crazy crap, and um, uh, I never felt better. Yeah, that's wonderful. But, yeah, so, wonderful to hear. So, um, Phil, do you see yourself getting back over to the states to do any shows, or is that a little too I'm hard really to say? Sure that, eh? Well, and with my um, my convicted my records are convicted felon, I'm not sure I'm going to see American soil again. But you know, you never know. Um, uh, was then Trump in my give me a pardon or something like that again. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'll get into America again. Where, yeah, um, it but, is a, but maybe, it's a tough market, yeah. you know. Certainly, and then the cost of you know coming from uh, your your home is in New Zealand now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine. That yeah, the, but we got the, we, you know, we we can get production and stuff. You know, wherever we go, we don't have to drag it all from New Zealand. Yeah? We just bring right. out guitars, yeah? right? And um. Yeah, you know, um, you know, we're looking forward to enjoying ourselves and you know, but, but working hard and um, you know, giving it the real deal, making it swing. And, you know, and, yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Phil, I want to thank you for your time. Um, again, the new album, Head Job, well, not new album, but the album uh, from 2014 is available now. Fantastic record. Uh, and if, if you do get over to the States, I'm sure we'll love to see you and we wish you all the best uh, with the new uh, tour. Well, thank you for that. And, um, and uh, you know, Susan's greetings to all your listeners, and uh, and um, yeah, I, I really would really love to get out there. This all right, all right, well, cheers, mate. We'll all talk right. to you again soon, eh? All right, take all care. Right. Been cheers. a pleasure. Bye. All right, again, thank you to Phil Rudd for taking the time, uh, calling all the way over to the states to talk about the album. Hopefully, we'll see them over here in the United States before too long. We're going to turn our attention now to a band all the way from Sweden who are coming to do some shows in the United States, and we talk about that in the interview. Uh, They'll be doing some shows in California in January. A band that I personally was not all that familiar with, a band called Killer B. We're talking to Brian uh, B. Frank, uh, who is the uh, vocalist of the band. Um, Put the album on and really have to say I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was very much reminiscent of the earlier Whitesnake albums where the um, music was... um, had a lot of soul to it, uh, a lot of organ, a lot of guitar... Uh, remind me of a lot of the Rainbow era stuff. So I think uh, if those of you who are into kind of classic hard rock, you'll really enjoy it. So we're going to play a track from that, and then we're going to get into that interview with Brian B. Frank. Here's Get On Board.
Frank, uh, also known as B from the band Killer B. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, John. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Um, Killer B a band, uh, I think some folks have been aware of, uh, you know, from Sweden uh, over the years. You guys kind of got rolling in the 90s, but really making a push in the United States right now. Um, can you talk a little bit about what makes it kind of the right time to hit the U.S. so hard? I think it's a time for the music right now. This kind of uh, the music that we're playing, I think it has its uh, it's coming around again. You know, I think it's the time again. As as we all know, music has its cycles, and I believe that this uh, this style of hard rock, this more of a contemporary or traditional type of hard rock with a little raw feeling and more uh, I don't know genuine feeling, I think is coming back more than this overproduced music. I think that's the timing now. Yeah, yeah, I just noticed the other day, you know, quite a uptick in the sale of vinyl, especially in the rock arena. So it seems like you know some of the fans are coming out and you know getting off the computer and actually buying physical product again. So hopefully, you know, bands with a sound such as yours, which to me, you, you guys kind of remind me, you know, a little bit of, of dare I say, an earlier White Snake, um, Rainbow. You know, people who are fans of that kind of rock, you know, very melodic. But uh, you know, got your your fingers in the '80s and in the '70s, really sound-wise. Yeah, I think that's a combination between Anders, my partner, and myself. I mean, he's a little younger. He's a '80s guy. I'm a '70s guy. Mm -hmm. That combination kind of makes it what it is. Why do I like it? Yeah, I I think the one thing that stood out to me about you know when I listened to the album, um, I really enjoyed how you know a lot of bands will have a keyboard player. And they're kind of in the background doing something that no one ever notices. And you guys have got, I think, a fantastic use of, you know, be it at the Hammond or if he's playing a keyboard, what exactly he's doing. But it really blends to the music in much the way I alluded to Whitesnake, where it's it's not a background instrument in your songs. You know, it's very, you know, but you're not a keyboard band either by any means. No, we're not one of those uh, over-the-top of progressive bands, but mm-hmm. I mean... To listen back, I mean, I grew up in that era of the 70s where it's, I mean, I listened to do a lot of Yes and Genesis and uh, Psycho Palmer as well as Deep Purple and uh, and Led Zeppelin and that those bands in the early 70s. And I mean, I was just listening to the Yes Fragile the other day and I thought, wow, listen to all this, this this keyboard and stuff on here. Of course, it's all over the place. And I mean, like, it was so such a predominant instrument and used as an instrument in the earlier days. And then it kind of faded out to this. The, you know, people bought keyboards, and uh, instead of using an actual Hammond, they would buy you know a keyboard and all these other sounds. And all of a sudden, the, the organ just became whatever. You know, right. it's one of my favorite instruments. Yeah, and it, lot in that production. it really blended well into the sound of the band. Like I said, it didn't sound like you guys just tried to fit it in there. Um, oh, it's, it's always been. It's right from the beginning. We've always had that organ sound, like all the way back to to, to the nineties. Because I, I take care of most production of the band, uh, studio productions and stuff, and uh, if, I, if I have my choice of uh, head instruments, they're always the uh, a good bass riff and an organ and uh, and then vocals, of course. Exactly. Now, Brian, can you touch a little bit, uh, for those not familiar with the band, how did you and Anders kind of come to work together? I mean, you're from Canada originally, correct? Yeah, Toronto. Um, I met Anders in 85. I had just quit a band I was in in Toronto, and uh, I got a call from a studio from uh, a guy that said, you know, I got a bunch of guys over here from Sweden. They're missing a singer. You want to come and do some tracks? So up there on a Friday night, we did four tracks. Uh, Anders and I, we talked a little bit. I went home. He went back to Sweden, and 
we just kept contact. So around 90, we both uh, kind of called each other and said, hey, you know what, man? We should do something. So I got on a plane in June and came over and I never went back. We've been writing and being together since uh, officially since 1990, but known each other since 85. Okay. Now, in Sweden, I mean, I think, you know, the U.S. has seen, you know, some imports from Sweden in the rock arena um, over the last, you know, half decade or so. What is the musical climate like in Sweden? You know, what are the, what are the you know, teenagers in early 20s, what are, what are they listening to in pubs? Well, it, it varies a lot. I mean, we, we have a lot of that troubadour uh, factor here with the, in, in the pubs and stuff, so you always got this one-man band kind of thing out there playing. There's a lot of that credence going around in old, old school music and that that happens. But when you actually get to the kids and you, you talk to them or the younger people and talk to them, there is a lot of that hard rock uh, hard rock and rock is, is really coming through. There's a little bit tiresome for the, the, the ones that have been listening to too much of this uh, boom boom music too much, you know, and that's so, it's so everywhere that it just gets tiresome, I think. I think people need, are, are ready for a change, you know. Yeah, I know. I think probably one of the first bands, obviously, other than Europe, one of the bands that more recently caught my attention was Crash Diet. Um, Right. And obviously, you can't ignore the success in Flames have had in the U.S. My God, um, is a great band, also. Yeah, I mean, does that kind of help when you're looking at booking? Do, do, do promoters pay any attention to that kind of stuff, or is it you know just solely off the base quality of your records? I don't know that they actually. I think it's uh, nowadays when there's so much happening on the net and so much happening online and that that it's more like um, you know they want to see what the band is individually. They don't, they don't really considering where the bands have come so much. Unfortunately, it's that way. I mean, remember right. when we had British Invasion and stuff in the 60s and that, when the band was from Britain, it was like, wow, that was the thing. You had the American yeah. in the 80s. And it's like, uh, no, I think today it's like they, they just pick bit. I don't know that there's so much attention to where the band's from. Unless you draw that attention to yourself, nobody's really going to look it up, I don't think. I right. Like the song, but that's the way, just the way I feel. Yeah, it seems like, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the British Invasion, the L.A. scene, Seattle bands, um, you know, unless you're doing the black metal uh, stuff, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're from geographically. Um, this collection of songs on the new album, were these specifically written? I know you had done a couple kind of compilation-type albums for the U.S. markets. Were these all new comp- compositions for this record? Yes, yes. So we, uh, we're, a, we're a continuous writing cycle. Anders is a writing machine. He's writing all the time. And so once we get a bunch of songs together, he'll come by and we'll, uh, we'll sit down, we'll arrange what we like and, uh, you know, throw some vocals on it. And so we have our own, own in-house studio, in-house video editing and stuff. So we, we were pretty lucky that way. And we can do a lot of stuff as we want, when we want. You know? So it makes it easy for us to move along. No, I see you guys are, are doing a couple shows in California here at the end of January, and you're doing some European shows in uh, March. Um, do you have any kind of other plans to do U.S. or European shows beyond those dates at the moment? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things out there right now. Unfortunately, I can't mention what's up because nothing's really confirmed right now. As you said, we got Los Angeles uh, whiskey on the 30th of January, so we'll be there uh, for about a week or so. And then we're off to England for 14, 15 days, heavy uh, 14 in a row shows. And then we're coming back to Sweden. We got a little bit happening in uh, little Scandinavian shows. And now we just uh, got a bunch of feelers out and getting a lot of response back towards the summer festivals. But we haven't really 
nailed down what routing is going to be and where we're going to be focusing the most on. There's a lot of things in the air right now. So. Is it easier for a band, do you think, of your style in Europe with those festivals where the you know the particular style of the music isn't necessarily, you don't need to sound like the band before you and the band after you and the bill. Does that help a band like yourself? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, promoters and uh, festival arrangers, they want something that, that's going to make the people rock, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to be necessarily just sitting around their tents in the mud all day. They want people up at the front of the stage. So they got people coming the next year. So they want bands that are going to rock, and they, they they appreciate the variation between bands. I mean, a little a Green Day example. They're playing a lot of festivals over here in the summer. You know, they're they're out there. There's a, there's a whole slew of bands coming over, and like Europe's really got a lot of festivals, and always had had a lot of festivals happening. So I think that. Uh, our style, as well as you know, a little bit more um, easier rock and heavier rock, they all kind of, it all it all meshes together and makes for a good festival. Yeah, I think if you, if you had you know ten, fifteen bands that all kind of sound the same, that could be a very long day, you know, to differentiate. So the variation yeah. I've always been envious of with yeah, European great. shows. Um, as far as um, Touring, you know, you mentioned you mentioned doing shows and putting feelers up. Do you guys continually write though? I mean, is there do you start into material for the next album at this point, or you just kind of let this one soak in? You know, it's it's well, only been a few we months. Let this one soak in, of course, but there is a there is a, a slew of songs that are sitting there just waiting until we decide to start the pre-production on them. So I mean. there's not a shortage of songs at all. We don't necessarily write a song. And think, okay, what style are we going to do the next album in, or how, what the songs are going to be? We just write a bunch of songs and uh, feel them through. And uh, when I start to get into the production and start to get into the, the lyrical side of it, then we we find our genre and uh, piece it down that way. Yeah, yeah. If I may inquire, the album cover for *Eye in the Sky*, yeah, fantastic uh, graphical image, and, and it kind of coincides to sort of a, a freaky thing in the United States where people have been reporting clown sightings and things like that for months now. Um, yeah. Was that in, even on your radar when you guys were putting the album cover together and maybe what influenced that album cover? Actually, no. We've been using a, a clown symbolization for the last three albums, actually, mm -hmm. since 2012. Since the first one held him back, since we came back, we've been, um, we've had a clown all the way through our our essence with the clown mask and that is basically the um, realization that everybody's kind of, you know, hiding behind a mask in life and it's like time to come forward and uh, take off your mask, show who you are and we don't need to have our masks on so much. It's just kind of coincidental that this uh, this clown sightings, which is now worldwide actually, a lot of it happens in Sweden and Europe as well, it's, uh, it's kind of a weird phenomenon. We yeah. actually get a little bit of hate hate stuff once in a while on the Facebook saying, Oh, what are you guys doing? You can't have that stuff, that's scary stuff, you know. It's like I don't I'm like whatever man. Whatever. Yeah. Well I think you, you take a page for them. A band, a lot of bands that use, you know, kind of a, a character of sorts uh, in in the marketing and the album covers can be, you know, quite a successful, you know, recipe. You know, with merchandise being so important for bands such as yourself. Yeah, that's true. Very true. You know, cool evil clowns sell a lot more T-shirts than you know pictures of you know five guys standing around a band. You know, so it's a, very true. Nothing wrong with that. Too, <laughs> said, well, Brian, I wish you guys all the best. Again, you guys are doing a show, uh, or actually two shows in California. 
be playing at uh, Ramona Main Stage on the 29th. You're doing a show at the Whiskey A Go Go, uh, which has got to be a, a really cool thing. Uh, you know, being from Toronto, I'm sure you're aware of the fame of the Whiskey A Go Go in the United States. Very um, nice. So, for those of us lucky enough to be on the West Coast, we wish you guys uh, some fantastic shows, and hopefully, we'll see you out east uh, before too long. And I'm sure it won't be too long. I'm sure we'll be there before the summer hits. Awesome. All right, Brian, thank you so much. All right, thanks a lot. All right, and that about brings us to the end of the show. We want to thank all of our guests, Stephen Piercy, Phil Rudd, and Brian uh, Frank of the band Killer B for coming on the show. Uh, you can find more information about all these guys out at ironcityrocks.com. You can contact us while you're there, or you can email us just directly at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Also, if you're on the social media sites, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. Invite you also to take a look at ironcityrocks.com and vote for the Western Pennsylvania, the PMAs as we like to call them, Pittsburgh Music Awards and Hall of Fame. Uh, that voting goes on through the uh, just about to the end of January. Uh, so you can check those out. The finalists are out there now. Uh, and you can also check our concert calendar. We've had some great concert announcements uh, already in the month of January. Uh, just learned that you 2 will be coming to Heinz Field. Uh, later this summer, which is a fantastic show. Uh, even if you're not a, a fan of U2, uh, seeing them in a stadium is unbelievable. So I uh, invite you to check the concert calendar out, and if you have anything, uh, comments, criticisms, just get in touch with us let us know. Till next time, we thank you so much for listening. <laughs>